All right, let's get into the Word tonight. 1 Kings chapter 17, I want to begin reading in verse 1. The Bible said, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook of Tarent, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And so he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went, out, he went and stayed by the brook of Tarent, which flows into Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. I want to preach and teach tonight for just a little while on God's trying to bring you to a place of blessing. God's trying to get you positioned so that you can be blessed. I know that sometimes we have kind of preconceived ideas about how we think our life should go. We have things planned out. We think that everything's going to follow a process, and we know how that process is going to work, and we've got step one, step two, step three, and we've got it all planned out, and everything's supposed to just fall in place, and everything's supposed to just keep chugging along, and everything's going to be the way we planned it. But then something happens, and our plan goes astray. Something happens and somebody throws a hand grenade right in the middle of our plan and blows everything we had planned clean out of the water. And we don't understand sometimes how we get in those situations and why those things have happened. But I believe tonight the Lord's laid this in my heart to help you to understand that God does things in our life and allows things in our life to try to get us to a place where He's trying to bless us and help us to grow and help us to mature. You see, we find here in verse 1 that God told Elijah, he said, Pronounce judgment upon the land because of the wickedness of Ahab, who, had, who was king of Israel. We find that the Bible said in 1 Kings 16 and 33 that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who was ever before him. He was a wicked man. He was, he was continually promoting idol worship and wickedness throughout the land. And he was promoting all the things that went against God. So Elijah declared to Ahab, he said, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except by my words. Now, I'm sure that King Ahab wasn't happy about the announcement that Elisha made. I'm sure that he, that he wasn't happy about it at all and that there would be no dew nor rain would come except at his words. And it probably made him a, a quite a bit angry and he was probably bitter. And so Elijah, when the word of the Lord came, the Lord told him, said, I want you to go and I want you to get away and I want you to turn eastward. And I want you to go down and I want you to hide by the brook of Tarenth and there I want you to stay. Uh, and this is the one that flows in the Jordan. He said, I want you to stay there. I've made provision for you. I'm going to take care of you. Can you imagine how that here's Elijah. He's done what God told him to do. So he's in the will of God. He's been obedient to God. But yet he knows that there's repercussions because of what he said. 
He knew he was going to make King Ahab mad. He knew that it wasn't going to go well for him. And so he was obedient to the Lord, even though he knew there was going to be consequences. But yet in the midst of this, even though King Ahab was mad and angry, God still had a plan for the man of God. He said, if you'll go dwell by the brook, I'm going to take care of you. You see, this was the place where God told Elijah to go, and he would take care of all of his needs. He said, you've been obedient. You prophesied what I told you to say. You did what I told you to do. Now I'm going to take care of you, but you're going to have to move. You've got to go to this place, and if you go this place, then your need is going to be met. But when we continue to look at this story, God told him, he said, I've commanded the ravens to feed you, and you can drink from the brook. But here's what's important. It was up to Elijah to get to the place of provision. He told him where to go, but it was up to him to get there. It was up to him to make up his mind, I'm still going to be obedient. He had to be obedient to receive the blessings of the Lord. You know, he could have said, well, God, I'm comfortable where I am. I, I really don't want to go down there. But, uh, but the problem with that was that he would have missed out on the provisions that God already had lined up for him and already had in place because the ravens would have still been taking the provisions down to the brook he could have said well I'm happy right here where I'm at I'm content I don't want to go down to the brook I'm just going to I'm going to fight it out right here and he could have done that but he would have missed what God had lined up because he wouldn't have went to the brook there's some times that God starts changing things in our life and we don't like it because it makes us uncomfortable we're naturally creatures of habit we don't like change we don't like things to be different we want things to stay the same and then God starts dealing with our our heart and God starts moving in our life and he's trying to get us to a place of blessing and sometime to get to a place of blessing it looks like it's a curse it looks like it's terrible it looks like it's painful it looks like everything's gone sour it looks like everything's falling apart when on the reality of it is if we keep our mind and heart on God and be obedient to him God's going to bring us to a new place of provision he's going to provide the need this is what he told Elijah. He said, if you'll go to the brook, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to make sure you've got meat to eat. I'm going to make sure there's water for you to drink. And you're going to dwell there until I give you further instructions. But I want you to go to the brook. You see, in other words, God would have been supplying his need, but he wouldn't have been in the right place if he hadn't went to the brook. I thought about that, and I wonder how many of us have blessings and provisions sitting somewhere else that we, we were because we were unwilling to be obedient to what God wanted us to do. We may have something setting somewhere where God's been moving in our heart to do something or to, to be a part of something, but yet because we've resisted, it's resisted the blessing of God. Well, maybe we're still hanging around old friends that we don't need to be because uh, they are a hindrance to our faith. Maybe God's been dealing with you about starting a, a new ministry or becoming involved with one that's already in motion. Uh, maybe God's been dealing with you about changing jobs or changing professions. Uh, maybe God's been dealing with you about applying for a promotion uh, that's been opened up at work and you knew down deep inside that it was meant for you, but you let it go because you let 
let fear dominate your heart and your mind instead of following the Spirit of the Lord. What's happening is that our blessings and favor are waiting on us somewhere else because we were not willing to go and do what God wanted us to do. We've got blessings, we've got anointing, we've got provisions sitting somewhere else that because we wasn't willing to do what God wanted us to do. I don't know about you, but I want to do everything I can to make sure that I'm in God's will. I'm lined up in what God wants me to do, doing what God wants me to do because I want to receive all that God has for my life. Doesn't matter if it makes sense to me. Doesn't matter if it fits my schedule. Doesn't matter if it fits my routine. If I want the blessings of God in my life, I've got to be obedient to what God's trying to get me to do. You see, it would be such a tragedy to think that God is delivering favor and blessings and ideas and creativity for my life, but I'm not where I'm supposed to be to receive it. You see, Elijah was obedient, and he got down to the brook where God blessed him. He made it to the brook. He said, I'm going to be obedient. God, I I don't know about this thing. I could have stayed over here, but you told me to go to the brook, so I'm going. When he got down to the brook, God provided for him. Look in verse 6. It said, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. God did what he said he was going to do. I provided for you in the midst of this thing. You see, when he pronounced on Ahab there was going to be no dew nor rain, that meant there was going to be a drought in the land. Things was going to dry up. Crops was going to dry. Provisions was going to be hard to come by because of the drought, everything, crops, trees, all the fruits of the land, all those things were going to die and become very hard to get. But God told Elijah, if you'll do what I told you to do, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of, but you've got to get where I told you to go to be able to be blessed. Because then the day came, the brook dried up. Why did the brook dry up? He declared declared there'd be no rain or dew in the land except at his word. So therefore, there became a drought in the land. The water quit flowing. The ravens quit coming with bread and meat. That was step one. God had another plan. When you look in in, in the next part of this scripture, God sent Elijah to the widow's house. We find, and so God told him, told Elijah, I want you to go to the city of Zarephath, for I have commanded a widow to take care of you. He tells him, first of all, I want you to go to the brook. I've got the ravens that's bringing you meat. You're going to drink from the brook. You're going to stay there. You're going to be nourished. You're going to be filled. You're going to be taken care of. And then the brook dries up. Then the ravens stopped coming, and he thought, I'm sure in his mind, he probably knew by being obedient to the first step, well, God's got to have a step too because my water's gone, my food's not arriving, and now there's got to be a better plan. And then God speaks to him and said, go to Zarephath. I've got a widow woman there prepared to take care of you. Now, notice once again, God had a specific place where he commanded Elijah's needs to be met. The whole key was that Elijah had to keep following God's leading to get to the place of blessing and favor in his life. At any time, he could have said, God, I ain't going to Zarephath. I ain't going over there. I'm not dependent on a widow woman to take care of my need. I'm not going. 
And if he'd have done that, he'd have missed out on what God had planned for him and he'd have missed out on the blessings of the Lord. This tells me that sometimes a brook will dry up. This tells me that sometimes things change in our life even though we don't like it. Sometimes seasons change in our life even though we don't like it. Sometimes it makes us uncomfortable. Sometimes it tears up our playhouse. Sometimes it makes us make choices that we never thought we would ever make. It makes us change up and do things different. Sometimes seasons in our life is going to be over and God's going to push you into a new area and a new place of provision. But I want you to even notice this. When Elijah was down at the brook, he was hiding from an enemy. Somebody had been chasing him. I'm sure it was King Ahab or King Ahab's men. Do you know where his enemy's hometown was? It was the city of Zarephath. Exactly where God told him to go. Now think about it. God could have sent Elijah anywhere that he wanted to send him, but he sent him right to his enemy's own hometown. What does this tell us? Sometimes God's leading us to do things that in our natural senses and our fleshly mind don't make a hill of beans worth of sense. It don't register with us. Well, God, this plan can't work. I, it looks half busted before we ever get started. God, I can't do that. We're not looking at it in the right frame of mind. When God has everything planned out for us, if we will just trust Him, and let him lead and guide our life. Psalms 37 and 23 said, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. God is ordering our steps. I don't believe in, in chances. I don't believe in happenstance. I don't believe in coincidences. Uh, I believe that a child of God born to it has, uh, has Jesus Christ living in your heart, has, has sins been forgiven, put under the blood of Jesus. Uh, I believe your life is directed by the power and the anointing and the direction and the divinity of the hand of God. I don't believe there's anything that goes to chance uh, in your life. It goes to chance and goes haywire when we stop listening to what God is telling us in our heart. When we start setting up our own plan, when we start doing our own thing, that's when we go astray. Jeremiah 29 and 11 said, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, and thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. God wants you to know He's got a plan for you and your future's brighter than your past. You're not going to fail. You're going to be a success. You're going to succeed. You're going to survive. You're going to get beyond what the enemy has tried to place in your path to hinder you and to hold you back. I believe with all my heart that when we make up our mind that we're going to serve God, we're going to do what God wants us to do, and we're going to fulfill the purpose that God put in our heart, and we follow His plan, God's going to take care of us all the way through. He's never failed us, and He's not going to start now. There are times that God doesn't want us to figure things out. He doesn't want us to know uh, what he's been up to. If we figure it out, he knows that we'll tell everybody that we did it. It was us. Oh, I'm so smart. I'm so talented. I figured all that out. I fixed all this. I orchestrated all this. I did all that. He ain't want that. He's wanting to get the praise. 
He's wanting us to give him the glory. But if we don't even know how we came through the situation, then we can't help but give God the glory. If we didn't know how to fix it, we didn't know how to turn it around, we didn't know what we were going to do, but we turned around and depended on God, God brings it through and God gets the glory, and that's what he wanted in the beginning. He wanted to be praised. There's times when God doesn't want us to say we did it. God doesn't want the doctor to say that he did it. He doesn't want the banker to say he did it. He doesn't want the lawyer to say he did it. He doesn't want the scientist to say I created it. He wants the glory to be given to him as the creator and the God of all gods and the one that created us in his own image. So therefore, he blinds us for a season, so we have to hold on to his hand. When you read in John chapter 12, verse 39, it said, Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart. He blinds us for a season, so we'll have to follow him. Sometimes he lets us hit the ground so that we'll let him pick us up. Sometimes he lets us go through a hardship so we'll turn to him. He blinds us for a season so we'll have to hold on to keep from stumbling. He blinds us for a season so we'll have to let him do the leading instead of us doing the leading. He knows if we see, we'll go the wrong way. He knows if we know that we'll make the wrong choices. God's not going to do it the way that we thought it was going to be done. I got news for you. When you think you got God figured out, God's going to turn something upside down in your life. You don't have a clue of what God's going to do because God's thoughts and God's ways are so much higher than ours. He wants to manifest himself in our lives and he wants us to know that he is God and he's the one in control of our life. Now when Elijah got to Zarephath, he found the widow woman gathering sticks. She's out there. She's gathering wood. She's getting ready to build a fire. He asked her to bring him a cup of water. Now, that was a very challenging request because they're in the middle of a drought by now. The brooks have dried up. The streams have dried up. Water's pretty scarce. But she said, that's okay. I've got something to drink. I'll go get you a cup of water, and you can, you can quench your thirst. I'll go get you some water. But as she's going to get the water... Then he asked, he said, would you bring me a morsel of bread that I'd have something to eat? And she said, all I have is just a little flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar, and I was going to make a cake for my son and I, and then we were going to die. She said, my provisions are limited. I don't have a lot of resources. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of help. I don't have anybody else to turn to. I don't have nobody to help me out. I'm just going to take what I've got, and we're going to let it take us as long as it can. And when it runs out and we don't have anything else, then all I know to do is we're just going to die. But then he said to her, first thing, he said, don't be afraid. When you're in the middle of a bad situation and you don't have a clue how everything's going to work out it's easy for fear to get a hold of your heart it's easy for you to start thinking about all the things you got to deal with and you got to face and you're going through and how they're going to work out and you don't see an answer and you don't see a door of escape and you don't see no miracles coming and you don't see nothing in the mailbox and you don't have no good reports coming in and everything just looks bad and you just don't know how in the world it's going to happen. But he told her, he said, do not fear. 
He said, go and do as you have said. He said, go make a cake of bread, but bring me the first piece. Make a cake for me first. Make a cake for me. Honor God. If you'll be obedient, God's going to do something. Make me a small cake in first. Bring it to me, and afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. Her obedience was a key thing in whether or not the supply she had lasted to get them through the drought or not. Her faith, her recognizing that Elijah was a man of God, that he was speaking a word of prophecy to her that was going to stretch her limited resources to a place that she never believed it would go. She said, all I've got is a handful of flour and a little bit of oil and it's only enough. I've been cooking all my life. It's only enough for one cake. We're going to eat it. We're going to die. He said, God's done interrupted your plan. If you'll go make me one first and then make for you and your son, God's going to turn things around. And this is what he said. He said, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord send rain on the earth. Oh, it may look like just a little amount to you, but when God gets a hold of it, it'll, it'll endure to the end. It'll take you through the storm. It'll get you through the battle. It'll take you through the unknown. It'll help get you from point A to point B, and you're not going to suffer in the middle. You're going to make it through victorious. God's going to help you get there, but you've got to be obedient and willing to trust God. Whether the plan makes any sense or not, whether it makes you uncomfortable or not, whether it makes you make decisions you don't want to make or not, if you follow God, God's plan, God will bring you through and he'll bring you through victoriously and he'll make sure that you survive and everything works out in your favor. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days according to the Bible. But when you study this out, there's a lot of uh, philosophers and a lot of, uh, a lot of commentaries that will tell you that this little bit of handful of flour and this little bit of oil in this cruise lasted them for over a year. Every time she went in there to make another cake, there was still flour in the bin. Every time she poured oil in to make it cook and to mix up the, the flour and to bake the cake, every time she went back to the oil bin, there was still oil in the bin. This went on for a year. This tells me that even though we're limited in our resources, God's never limited. God's got resources you don't know about. God's got resources you never imagined even existed. God can do it in the most unlikely places. Who would have thought that a widow woman that was limited in her income on a fixed income and had no husband, had no income coming in, and it's just her and her son living, would have been able to sustain the prophet of God. But God had a plan. I got news for you. It may look bad. It may look bleak. It may look like it ain't going to work out. It may look like it's about to fold but God says I got a plan and if you'll listen to me if you'll follow the plan I'll bring you out on the other side better than you were when you went in you see there's going to be times that we're not going to understand what God's doing in our life it's not going to make any sense it's not going to feel good it's not going to feel comfortable it's going to feel like it doesn't fit but that's when we've got to walk by faith and trust in God 
it's uncomfortable sometimes to walk by faith. Because when you're walking by faith, you're not feeling spiritual goosebumps. When you're walking by faith, you don't feel like shouting. When you're walking by faith, you don't feel like raising your hand. When you're walking by faith, you don't feel like having revival. When you're walking by faith, this time, you don't feel like singing a song. And you sure don't feel like worshiping. But when you walk by faith, there's going to come a point that there's going to be an anointing that's going to rise up in you. And God's going to start opening doors. And God's going to start Strengthening, and God's going to turn things around because you honored Him by your faith. You trusted Him. You have to keep in mind yourself that this is God trying to get you to a place of blessing. God's trying to get us to where He commanded that our needs was going to be met. God's trying to get us sometime to a new place where there's new provision where God's going to do things, where God can take us to a new level, where God can open up new doors. I've seen a lot of different times in my life where I thought that I was at a dead end and I thought that nothing was ever going to work out and I thought the plan that I had was ruined and I thought everything had fell apart, but yet right in the midst of my plan falling apart, God puts me on an avenue and I start seeing things pull back together. And I start seeing resources coming in and I start seeing people coming in and I get divine connections with people and God starts opening up and giving us people in our lives that have influence and helps us get to the point that God wants us to be. You see, your blessings will come according to your obedience. We can fold our hands, sit back, say, I ain't doing that. That's fine, sit there. You'll get tired of sitting there and fighting the devil and fighting all those things. And then when you get ready to obey God, God will say, okay, now here's the blessings. And it's raining down on you. Your blessings will come according to your obedience. When you look in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10, we find a familiar story. It's about a man named Naaman who was sent to wash in the Jordan River. Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. You see, the story of Naaman, who was a very well-respected and influential man, was a captain in the army. But Naaman was also a leper. He had leprosy. He couldn't fulfill his dreams with that disease nagging at his skin. He was in leadership. He was leading a group of people. He had authority. He was well respected. But yet on the other side, he was a leper. He's supposed to be isolated away from people. He couldn't have contact with people. He couldn't fulfill his dreams. He couldn't follow through with the promotions and the things that should come in his life because the disease of leprosy was going to hold him back. Do you know who God used as a divine connection? We don't think that God puts divine connections in our life, but I promise you, if you'll stop and think about it long enough, you'll remember some time in your life where you ran into somebody you wasn't expecting to run into, and by running into them, opened up a door for you that created a blessing in your life when you didn't even realize it. You say, well, I, that don't make a lot of sense to me. I'm going to give you a prime example, and I'm going to use me. I won't talk about none of y'all. Y'all said, all right. 1997, I'm voted in at Manchester Church of God. 
I become their new pastor. I pastored there from 1997 to October of 98. During that year that I was there, which wasn't a long time, probably the shortest tenor I've ever stayed at any church out of 38 years of ministry. But during that time, because of a man that was pastoring here that was my second father, I come to visit him, and by coming and visiting him, I got to meet, I got to meet you wonderful folks. I came over in revivals. I happened to come over for about four weeks when y'all were in the middle of the remodel building the fellowship hall that we've got now, and y'all were in the middle of hanging sheetrock, and I had the joy of coming over and hanging sheetrock with you guys. Did that for four, four weeks. That was a divine connection because if I'd have never went to Manchester, didn't understand why I went there. Didn't feel right when I got there. Matter of fact, my wife, when we got our stuff unpacked in the parsonage, she said, stack the boxes over in the corner of the garage because we're not going to be here long enough to throw them away. That's what my wife said. She said, we're not going to be here that long. I don't know why we're here. Don't know why God brought us here, but we're not going to be here that long, but there's a reason. The reason was I had a divine connection with Dilworth Church of God. Thought. Didn't have any idea that the pastor you had then, six months later, was going to decide that God was moving him and he was going to leave. Now, we all know how the story went. I wanted to come here. Overseer got mad at me because I'd only been at Manchester for a year, and he wouldn't let me go. And he said, you ain't going over there. And then rumors got around, and we ain't getting into all that. But anyway, I didn't get to come here. But there was one thing that happened. There was a divine connection. I went to another church, had good success, saw growth, took a church that was running 40, and in a year and a half, we tripled, outgrew the building, outgrew the property, God opened the door, donated us seven acres of land right next to Interstate 59, built a new building, did the construction, moved into the new building. I'm happy as a lark. I'm 20 miles from hometown. I got family coming to church with me. I've got a new church. God's blessing. We're moving, doing all that. Then lo and behold, I get a phone call. Hey, Brother Kimberly, we're fixing to go through a pastor change. Things just hadn't worked out. This is five and a half years later. Are you interested in coming? Nope. Appreciate the call. Love you. Praying for you. I ain't coming. Another week, I get another call. He said, now, Pastor, your name's been mentioned very often over the last five and a half years. Would you at least pray about coming to Dilworth? I said, I'll pray about it. I said, I ain't making no promises. I'm happy where I'm at. This is the closest I've pastored to my hometown in 20 years. I ain't really interested in leaving. Just built a new church. I'll pray about it. I messed up. I prayed about it. A week later, I already knew in my heart God was moving me. I didn't want to move. I don't like moving. I hate moving. I hate U-Hauls. I hate packing. I hate all that stuff. I didn't want to come here. Nothing against y'all. I just didn't want to move. I was comfortable. But I knew in my heart that God was fixing to move me. 
another week went by. I got another phone call. He said, well, have you prayed about it? I said, yep. I said, I'm going to see the overseer, see what he says. I said, it's like most of them I've dealt with. They, they're going to walk in. They're going to tell me, well, you ain't going there. You've got to stay where you're at anyway. So I said, I'll just go down there to the state office. I'll talk to the overseer, and he'll tell me I ain't going. I walk in, sit down in his office. He said, hey, Brother Cameron, what you need? I said, well, I've been praying, feel like I'm led to leave, and I need to go to another church. And he said, I know where you want to go. I said, you do? You've had a spiritual vision from God then. He said, you want to go to Empire Church of God? I said, nope, missed it. <laughs> About 10 miles. I said, I ain't interested in going to Empire. He said, well, that's funny. He said, the last seven preachers that walked in my office, that's where they all wanted to go and said God told them all that's where they were going. He said, I didn't know God got that confused. I said, well, I'm not confused, and I'm not interested, but in one church, and if I can't go there, I ain't going nowhere. I said, I want to go to Dilworth. He said, well, brother, he said, it's coming open. He said, we're working on it right now. He said, your record where you're at is great. Your record before that's great. He said, you've done a good job. He said, I don't see any reason why you can't go. I said, oh, Lord, Jesus. Surely you was going to tell me I couldn't go. Long story short, there was a long transition. Finally got it all worked out. Three months later, I'm at the Orb. No, I'm in God's will. No, I'm divinely where I'm supposed to be. I didn't want to be here. Didn't want to come here. Had nothing to do with not loving you folks. I was content in my situation. Sometimes God stirs up our contentness. And he stirs up the nest to get us to move in position where we could be blessed. If I'd have been stubborn and stayed where I was at, I'd been miserable. I would have not seen the blessings of God. Everything would have closed up. I wouldn't have been where I was supposed to be. I wouldn't have been in God's will. And I wouldn't have been blessed the way I've been blessed for the last 16 years. God moves in divine things even when we don't like it and it goes against our grain. God does things. God moved in this situation. This was a man that had a lot of influence. He was a man that had a lot of authority. God had told him, and God, there was a connection that God used to get this man to the place where he needed to be. When, and when you think about who it was, the very first person that said anything to this man, to Naaman, about what he should do, was one of his servants. She was just a young slave girl who helped take care of his house. She said, Naaman, she said, if you'll go let the prophet Elisha pray for you, I know you'll be healed. It was that one word that inspired Naaman to take action, an action that would turn his life around forever. This is a powerful lesson for us to learn that it's never overlook or to never overlook those so-called insignificant people in your life. There's people that's in your life that you don't think has any influence over you, has nothing to bring or add to your life. The people that you may think are not that important may, may well be the very people that God's going to use to bless you the most. 
Everyone can be a divine connection. It doesn't matter their position. It doesn't matter their social standing. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. You can't allow someone's position to fool you because God can use anybody. God can use anybody if we'll be obedient. If Naaman had been too proud, he might have missed out on the miracle. Naaman took the young girl's advice. He traveled a great distance and finally showed up at Elisha's house, him in a caravan, and he's there. He's got this all planned out in his mind. He's knowing that Elisha's going to step out on the front porch of his house. He's going to come down. He's going to greet him. He's going to wave his hand over him. He's going to say a beautiful prayer. He's going to receive a miracle. His body's going to become cleansed, and he's going to leave Elisha's house healed, and he's going to be whole. That's in his mind of what he thought was going to work out. But when he got there, Elisha didn't even come out of the house to meet him. He had one of his servants give him a message, and the servant said, Naaman, if you'll go wash in the Jordan River seven times, you'll be healed. Needless to say, Naaman was mad. He was disappointed. He was upset. He was even a little bit offended. He traveled such a long distance. He had heard so much about Elisha. He knew that they, he had it all planned out in his mind how it was going to happen, and he was an important person. But Elisha didn't even come out to meet him or even greet him. He sent a servant out with a message. Plus, he didn't want to go wash in the river. He had his own plan, his own idea of what was about to take place or what he thought was going to take place that was going to bring about his healing. He said, I thought Elisha would come out and wave his hand over me and make me well. Look at two words that almost kept him from his miracle. I thought. Sometimes we need to quit thinking. Sometimes we overthink things. Sometimes we just need to listen and we need to quit thinking. He was saying, this is not the way I expected it to happen. I didn't think I was going to have to wash in the dirty river. Besides, we have better rivers back at home. I could have washed in one of them, and it's a lot cleaner. It's a lot more sanitary. But then one of his companions said to him, said, Naaman, said, if he'd have asked you to do something difficult, you would have done everything within your power to have made sure you did it to receive your miracle. Why don't you just do this easy, simple request of go down to the River Jordan and wash in it seven times? Why don't you just give it a try? He finally went down to the river. When he went in, he went down once, went down twice, went down three times, went down four times, five, six and when he went down and came up the seventh time, his skin was perfectly clean. God used three different connections to get him to the place of blessing or the place of healing in his life. If he had have ignored either one, if he'd ignored the young girl, if he'd ignored Elisha, or if he'd ignored his traveling companion, he would have missed the miracle that God had in store for his life. Don't miss the miracle because you don't want to hear what God's got to say. Don't miss the blessing because it didn't fit your preconceived plan. God's got a better plan. 
Job chapter 36 verse 11 said this, If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. There's some keys here in this verse. If they obey and if they serve him. We've got to listen to what God's trying to speak in our heart. We've got to be obedient to what God's trying to speak in our heart. And it's through our obedience and being obedient to what God wants to do in our life that God brings, brings blessings into our life. He said in Revelations 22 and 14, he said, Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. If you want to make it to the other side, you've got to be obedient. There's sometimes if you want blessings in your life here, you've got to be obedient. You've got to listen to God. God's not always going to tell you what you want to hear. But if we'll follow through with what God's trying to do in our life, God will bring us to a place that we've never even begun to imagine. God can turn the negative. He can turn the, the things that seems like the plan has fell apart. God can put a new plan together that's even better. God can take something that looks busted and failed and torn apart and put it back together and make it better than it ever was before. God can put you and line you up in a position to where you will receive more blessings in your life than you ever dreamed you could. But it's all going to be according to whether or not you're willing to listen to 